Stop playing second fiddle. As Mars moves into your birth sign, you need to convince people you are special, that you were born for bigger and better things. First of all, convince yourself. Indeed, Magnolia knew it seemed as if she was on the top of the heap. The great job, the enviable dividends that came with it. The inner Magnolia was, however, less than one hundred percent sure she deserved what she'd scored. Just as she began to ponder how, exactly, she might jumpstart a confidence transplant, she'd had the name of a shrink on her nightstand for months. She was saved from the burden of pre-caffeinated self-analysis by Phoebe, who was cheerfully shrieking her name. You made it! Can you believe this dedication? Magnolia could. She'd be perfectly happy still buying her clothes at H&M, but she happened to want to keep working. Along with dancing at office parties, the unwritten job description of being an editor-in-chief at Scarborough Magazines, or Scary, as insiders christened the company years ago when in a putsch remembered as Bloody Monday, five editors-in-chief were canned in one day, included managing her image. This was at least as important as keeping tabs on an $18 million budget. No one at Scary had a Condé Nast-level clothing allowance, but every editor and publisher was expected to look as if she did. At a luncheon a few years ago, Magnolia overheard the president of a major publishing company snort, That woman will never work for us, while critiquing an editor in a ruffled peach suit more suited to the Scottsdale Country Club than the podium of the Waldorf. In a flash, Magnolia got it, just as she understood that the editor-in-chief position she was appointed to the next year came with migraines, fourteen-hour days, and densely numbered Excel sheets. When the Chanel ladies opened the doors, raced to the handbags, Phoebe instructed, placing her hands on her hips, which, despite the eighth month of a pregnancy, were so slim they appeared to have been modified by Adobe Photoshop. They'll be on the far wall, and they let you buy two. Grab them right away. Go to the opposite wall next and hit the shoes, but don't get sucked in by the short boots. They're so over. Then the clothes. Save the jewelry and sunglasses till the end. They have plenty. Okay, Magnolia thought. She might be a piece of wood at yoga, but if she could migrate from Fargo to Manhattan, she could manage these moves. Truthfully, once you got over the accents, Fargo had been less frozen wasteland and more an agreeably type B place to be a kid, good for cruising the mall and dating cute boys named Anderson or Olson. On vacations from the University of Michigan, she'd return home every summer with internships at the Forum, but when the newspaper offered her a job after graduation, she was one fine old bit writer, that Maggie— her mother and father couldn't hustle her to the airport fast enough. Fargo, no place for a Jewish girl, could have been the family bumper sticker. For Maggie Goldfarb, there'd be little post-baccalaureate mooching, recognizing she'd hit her sell-by date in the state the country forgot. You're the first person I've ever met from North Dakota. She'd need to get out, ready or not. Maggie headed for Manhattan and morphed into Magnolia Gold. Later, when people asked her what connection she'd exercised to snag her job at Glamour, she fessed up to ignorance as her sole advantage. If she'd grown up in New York, she'd have been too intimidated to have cold-called human resources. 
Mags, Magnolia, hey gold. Magnolia's head was in Fargo, but Darlene Knudsen, publisher of Lady, was definitely here, dripping a tall latte on Magnolia's bare leg. She and Darlene were equals at Lady, each ruling her own dominion. Magnolia headed up the editorial staff, and Darlene managed sales and marketing. Both reported to Jock Flanagan, the company's president and CEO, and a former publisher himself. Most heads of magazine companies climbed the corporate ladder by starting as publishers, and though they feigned fascination for creative types in a standoff, it was publishers who garnered their sympathy. When ad sales faltered, invariably an editor got the boot. Big-boned and braying, Darlene plopped down next to Magnolia, ignoring scowls from the women, more than a hundred and fifty by...